Welcome to the Oakland Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Randy Bain. It's our prayer that this message encourages you and strengthens you. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org. And be made children of God. 
Lord, I mean, Dr. Cross, that you might speak through me, and Lord, I pray that you would give up ears to hear your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I always like to have a key verse, and actually I picked a couple, verses 10 and 11. So if you would join me in reciting that. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Luke 2, 10 and 11. The perfect gift. You know, as you do your shopping, one of the biggest challenges, I think, in, in the West, in upper middle class America, would be how do you buy, what do you buy someone who has everything? I mean, what, how do you get the perfect gift? You know, I know one time my kids asked me, what do you want for, for, uh, for Christmas? And I said, you know, I want you to only spend $10 and I want to get you, get me something that really relates to me and I appreciate it. Well, needless to say, that didn't happen. I mean, how do you do that, you know? What is the perfect gift? I saw a joke on social media, showed a picture of this, uh, this wife is blindfolded in front of Christmas tree. The husband is behind her, all excited, and she has in front of her an upright sweeper about that high with a big red bow on it. And you know what the caption read? Husband missing since Christmas. <laughs> Glory to your investigation. <laughs> Clearly, uh, I've probably received a lot more not-so-perfect Christmas presents, right, than perfect ones. Uh, uh, how many uh, gift exchanges have you been to? I mean, I mean I've been to at least two this year. I usually go to one or two or three every year. Really, not to go to bring those up. Can you give me that? Uh, so I, don't judge me, okay? Just judge free zone if you want. Someone might say, well, what do you get for $5? I'm like... I said, well, buy something you would like, right? So I took that probably to the extreme, and I always like sport gloves. So at a local discount pool uh, store, you can probably guess this one, uh, for $4.99, you can buy these party sport gloves. Now, when they're new, before I start using them, they look like driver's gloves. They actually look like dress gloves. And I keep them in my dress coat, and if my hands get cold or I do something, shovel a little snow, I, I put them on. So the thing is, though, in those gift exchanges, it's, you've got to be strategic, right? So I will buy these and wrap them up, and then I will watch and see who gets my gift. And if there's a time to steal, I will steal this gift back. <laughs> now, now, this year, uh, uh, one year, not this year, I managed to get them, but these are the actual gifts. But one year, I almost didn't get them, but I, fortunately, I always buy extra large work clothes. And the guy that got them, or was going to take them from me, I think, looked at them and said, oh, they're extra large, though, that won't fit my hand. I'm like, okay, I'm good, I got the people. So uh, I got the perfect gift, because I bought it for myself. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, don't, like I said, don't judge me, but uh, it's a little bit of a challenge, isn't it? How do you buy the perfect gift for five bucks, you know? I know in some, we've had up to ten, because you can't buy anything for five dollars. But uh, what about the perfect gift? Today, Christmas Eve, we celebrate the greatest, most perfect gift of all, and it's Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Jesus is the perfect gift in many ways, and I don't want to just the three of them. One, he is the perfect Bible gift. Now, if you have sermon notes, you're welcome about the word Bible. And, and, and I might want to say prophecy, Bible prophecy gift. 
Look at verse 4. Joseph went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David. Now, I want you to think about this. A lot of people said, well, Jesus, yeah, he, he fulfilled all those Old Testament prophecies. You know, he just did that. How do you fulfill prophecies before you were born? I mean, if you're not born yet, you can't have this list of prophecies. Okay, I can do this, just check them off as you go. These were fulfilled before he was born. He had no say in that. He was fulfilling prophecy. There's, there's one, uh, uh, there, there's many, as many as 300 prophecies that Jesus Christ fulfilled from the Old Testament. 300 prophecies. In my first Bible that I ever bought myself, it was the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. And in the back, the reference section, it has some great study notes. It lists 31 specific prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And actually, in your sermon notes, I actually took a picture of that right out of my Bible and plugged it in for you. It's, I think, number 6 or 31 or something, 37. But it gives you specific Bible prophecies that he fulfilled. If you just Google that, the Jews for Jesus, the Jewish Christians, will uh, have listed the top 40 that Jesus fulfilled. So, so Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy. He was the perfect gift for the Bible. And, and, and just to just give you a couple of quick smattering of them, uh, in Genesis 1, Genesis 3, verse 15, it says that after Adam and Eve sinned, that it says, I will make you enemies of the snake and the woman. Your offspring and her descendants shall bruise you on the head and shall bruise you on the heel. Talks about there is coming a, a descendant of Eve that will defeat Satan, will bruise the serpent's head. And of course, him being born in Bethlehem, can you imagine how, how difficult that would be? That you would have to get the governor of the time to call a census at just the right time so that Joseph, who was now living in Nazareth, would come to Bethlehem just at the right moment so the baby would be born in Bethlehem. I mean, it's like, how does that happen? Well, it takes an all-powerful, all-knowing God to work that out. Micah 2 Jews says, the Old Testament prophet of Micah, But for you, Bethlehem, you are the small among the tribes of Judah. From you will come forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His times of coming forth from long ago, from the days of eternity. This is the prophecy that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. He would be born in Bethlehem. Remember when the wise men and the Magi came, they asked Herod, where's the king of the Jews to be born? And he went and asked the priests, and they said, in Bethlehem. Because they knew this prophecy. Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. And then the virgin birth, Isaiah 7.14 says, The Lord will give a sign that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. The word Emmanuel literally just means God with us. He fulfills that promise, the virgin birth. And then in the scripture that we just, uh, just read under that title, he would be a son of David. Second Samuel 7 says that when that was when Samuel wanted to build a temple, and the Lord says, no, you don't need to build a temple. He said, but I will build a house for you. He didn't mean a house, he meant a lineage, uh, you know, an inheritance. And it says, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up for you an offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood. I will establish his kingdom. And he is the one who will build a house for my name, and that's Solomon. He said, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, 
and I will be his father, and he will be my son. The prophecy that there will be a descendant of King David who will reign for God forever. Guess who that is? It's King Jesus. Jesus fulfilled all the promises up to 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. And I want you to think of the magnitude of this. I know we're often told, if you believe the Bible, you believe in Jesus, and you're kind of archaic, you're ancient, you don't understand the way the rest of the world works. I want you to think about this. The Bible was written probably over a, over 2,000 year period. There was over 40 human authors, okay, in the Bible who wrote the Bible. Now, I say human authors because we believe the Holy Spirit breathed into them what they should write. But the message is all the same. Amen? The message of the Bible is complete. It is one message. It is the message of Jesus Christ. Over 2,000 years, 40 different authors, yet it's the same story. It is the same message of the gospel. Jesus is the perfect Bible gift that he fulfilled every prophecy in Scripture. And I guess there's a few still to be fulfilled, but believe me, those can be fulfilled in like seven years or three and a half years. They could be fulfilled in just a minute uh, if Jesus would come back today. So we look for our king who is coming. But he fulfills all those prophecies. Jesus is also God's perfect gift. God's perfect gift. Now I want you to think about that. Verse 11 says, Today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ is actually the Greek translation of the Messiah. He is the coming king. He is the, he is the, the uh, son of God. He is the perfect son of God. You know, in the Old Testament, when they had to kill a sacrificial lamb, remember it said the whole Bible is one message? And that whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament, it was all pointing to Jesus as the perfect Lamb of God. In Exodus chapter 12, when they had to sacrifice the lamb, they had to do it for the Passover. It says, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goat. So they had to be unblemished, and it had to be a male. Well... Jesus is the sinless Son of God. And John the Baptist, when he came and began to preach about Jesus, what did he say? He told his disciples, John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This was the, this was the true sacrificial lamb. Some people said, well, why were there so many rules about how the sacrifice had to be done and all the details? That's because they were pointing ahead to Jesus. And they had to connect with him. Jesus is God's perfect gift. And of course, Revelation 13, I love this passage. And it's in your notes, so you can look it up. It says in chapter 13 of Revelation that all whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Can you imagine that when God was creating the heaven and earth, and we know from John 1 that Jesus was there with him, creating the heavens and the earth? It says nothing was made that he didn't make. Even then, he was the lamb to be slain from the foundation of the world. That was the plan of salvation from the very beginning. He is the perfect God, perfect gift to us. I know a couple, I think the last couple of years we've been talking about this, but there, there's another verse in Malachi. Malachi 2, 2, or 5, 2 says that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. If you back up to chapter Micah 4, 8, it says, As for you, O watchtower of the flock, O stronghold of the daughter of Zion, the former 
dominion will be restored, kingship will come to the daughter of Jerusalem. From to you, kingship will come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now that doesn't make a lot of sense, maybe it doesn't mean much, but, but the phrase there, watchtower of the flock, is Midgal Eater. It, it was, a, it was a, like a tower, a fortress, in Bethlehem area where they raised sheep. Okay? No one's wowing yet. Uh, it turns out that Bethlehem was a sheep factory for sacrificial lambs. Okay? And they would raise, and these had to be blemishless, they had to be without, without blemish. So these little lambs were being raised for the sacrifice in Jerusalem. They would be sold to people to sacrifice. And what they would do is they would wrap them in cloth and to show that they are the sacrificial lambs and to prevent them from getting bruised or blemished. First time I heard this, first time I read this, I, I might have wept. Because it said Mary came to Bethlehem and, and had her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. I mean, this, this, this happened in the sheep factory. This happened in the place they raised sacrificial lambs. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. This isn't like a coincidence. This is the perfect sacrifice for us. Here's a note I have. I don't know. I dropped from a. It says, given the fact that Bethlehem was the town in which sacrificial lambs were born, and these lambs were birthed at the Mikdal Eater. They were wrapped in swaddling cloths to certify their holy birth. Does it not make sense that the same details would surround the birth of our Savior? I can never read that again. That, that little story where it says, when the time came, she gave birth to her son and she wrapped in cloth, strips of cloth and laid in the manger. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is God's perfect gift to us. The Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus, God said, this is my beloved son. At his birth, at his baptism, God said, spoke from heaven to this is my beloved son, whom I will see. He is God's perfect gift to us. Second Corinthians 5.22 says, He made him, made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The perfect lamb came, the perfect gift came, and lived a sinless life, always obeyed the heavenly Father, so that he would be the perfect sacrifice for my sin, for your sin. He is the perfect, God's perfect gift. And finally, he is my perfect gift. Not a fair glove. He is my perfect gift. Look at this, verse 11. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you. You don't get anything else out of this passage. I want you to get that word. For you. He has been born for you a Savior who is Christ Jesus. You know, it's kind of funny. Many, many years ago, wow, probably 40 years ago, uh, we, we moved to our first parsonage, and uh, um, it was Christmas time, and my son wanted a, a, a football uniform for Christmas. He might have been four or three, you know, he might have a little uniform outfit. So, Santa Claus knew that we were big Steeler fans, and so, of course, he got in the Steeler outfit. Helmet, little shoulder pads, the whole deal. And I still remember that Christmas morning, my son opening the presents. As soon as he opened it up, pulled out the helmet, he said, he explained, 
just what I didn't want. <laughs> Turns out he was a little enamored. Darlene and I are still discussing which one. I thought it was Denver Broncos. She's pretty sure he liked the Miami Dolphins helmet. And so Dan uh, kind of got it mixed up and didn't get into it. That's what he said, just what I didn't want. When we think about Jesus, really, it might be he's not the gift we wanted. He's the gift we needed. He's the absolute gift we needed. Jesus is the perfect gift for you and me. For you and me. You know, another phrase, a couple phrases I'm thinking about this Christmas season. It says, they laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. That's just what Bethlehem did once. We're too full. We don't want this gift. No room in the end. They got just what they didn't want. When we when they, they lit the uh, price candle, uh, <laughs> Heather, were you reading or did you I think you were reading. Heather was reading. She read John 11, or John 1, 11, 12. said, he came to his own, his own people did not accept him. Just what they didn't want. But as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. No room in the end. King Herod, when he found out that there was a new king born, what did he do? He said, just what I didn't want. And he tried to kill him. And he killed all the innocents and two-year-old two boys and younger just to make sure that there would be no other king. He gets to... to uh, Nazareth and begins his ministry at age 30. He reads from the, in, the, in the local synagogue and they went out and wanted to throw him over the cliff because they didn't they were offended by him. It's the gift that they didn't want. The chief priest, remember at his trial of the video, crucify him. He's just what we didn't want. But it's what they needed. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing. The gospel comes with good news and bad news. The bad news is that we are all sinners and we are lost without Christ. That's the bad news. The good news is that God has sent a Savior who is Jesus Christ. He will save us from our sins. And if, if you uh, if you want to be saved from your sins, if you want to have life eternal, if you want to know God in a personal way, then He is the perfect gift. If uh, He's just what you don't want, you know. John three sixteen is on. It says, "The one who believes in Him is not judged, but the one who does not believe has already been judged, because he has not believed on the name of the Son of God." And this is judgment, the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. Some people don't want the gift that God's offering. And there's nothing you can do to make them want it. But the Holy Spirit is continuing to draw people, to convict people of sin, to tell people this is the exact gift that you need. No room in the end. You ignore this gift. If you delay receiving this gift, it's the same as no. It's the same as no. One of the, I've always been very critical of the innkeeper for not making room for Jesus. I've also been always very critical uh, 
Herod were trying to kill the king. Because he said, where is, if they came wise men saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? He didn't want a king. You know, I think some of us are that way. King Jesus has come, but we really don't want a king. We still want to be king of our own lives. Don't we? I want to be in charge. I want to make my own decisions. I want to do what I think is best. If you have a king who has died for you, who is giving his life for you, who knows exactly what's best for you, and will guide you every step of the way, and never leave you or forsake you, why would you not want to follow that king? Why would you want him to be the I'm afraid some of us are probably along would, would really sympathize a little more with Herod. No, we wouldn't do anything bad, but we still want to be king of our own life. Isn't that what Adam and Eve said in the garden? We want to make our own decisions. We want to be like God. We want to be in charge. I'm so glad that the Lord has changed my life. I heard one time, I think it was a, uh, a CEO, shot in the fellowship presentation that God changes our wants to. If I want to be a charge in my own life, I want to be the one that calls the shots. I want to decide what's right and wrong. That's what I want to do. But when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and convicts us, when we receive Jesus, He changes that want to from wanting to be our own God to wanting Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. My friends, when our want to gets changed to what we need, God's perfect gift then we are transformed, we are saved, we become children of God. That's what that John 1 says. As many as receive him, he gives them the power or the right to become children of God. Have you accepted this perfect gift for you today? If you're here today and you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you, you can do that tonight. You can do that anytime. If you will pray, I have, there's a little insert in your bulletin pack. It says, Dear Lord Jesus, I receive you as God's gift to me and the entire world. I believe you are God's Son, born of a virgin, died on the cross to save me from my sins, and made me a child of God. Come into my life. I accept your plans for my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me the child of God you want me to be, and I will follow you for the rest of my life. Now, if you would pray that prayer and mean it, I know God has heard that prayer. He will forgive you of your sins. He will give you life eternal. He will come to dwell within you. And he will never leave you or forsake you. If that's what you want, then Jesus is truly God's perfect gift. Receive God's undescribable gift. Indescribable gift today. Amen. Amen. If you pray that prayer and you mean it, uh, and, and uh, this morning, but this evening, uh, if you fill that out, you can give it to a doctor, you can give it to me, you can put it in the offering box. Uh, we will get that, and I will contact you to, to pray for you and just to give my support and encouragement. Shall we uh, bow our heads together and, and meditate a little bit on God's perfect gift? Shall we pray? Oh Lord, even now, I pray that you would uh, stir people's hearts. There might be some here today that have never trusted you, never even heard that we can receive you as Savior and Lord. I pray, oh God, that you would draw them to yourself. Might this prayer be their first step to walking with you.
Forgive them. Come into their lives in Jesus' name. Lord, there might be some here that are just not sure. They're not ready. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to draw by your Holy Spirit. Give no peace till they know the peace that Jesus gives. And Lord, we, we will proclaim your glory, just like the shepherd. That everything that has been promised and been prophesied and has been told us about Jesus is true. Let us shout that to Thanks for listening to this message from Oakland Church. For more information and for other resources, visit us at oaklandonline.org.